Let us now turn to what we confess in the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 32. There we have God's word summarized as follows. Since we have been delivered from our misery by grace alone through Christ, without any merit of our own, why must we yet do good works? Because Christ, having redeemed us by his blood, also renews us by his Holy Spirit to be his image, so that with our whole life we may show ourselves thankful to God for his benefits, and he may be praised by us. Further, that we ourselves may be assured of our faith by its fruits, and that by our godly walk of life we may win our neighbors for Christ. Can those be saved who do not turn to God from their ungrateful and impenitent walk of life? By no means. Scripture says that no unchaste person, idolater, adulterer, thief, greedy person, drunkard, slanderer, robber, or the like shall inherit the kingdom of God. After the sermon, we will sing from Psalm 32 to stanzas 1, 2, and 5. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, we have been delivered from our sin and misery by grace alone. That is a summary of what went on before in the Heidelberg Catechism, and especially in section 2 and also in section 1. Now we start with section 3. We have been saved from our sin and misery by grace alone. We are reminded of that. That's what question 86 states. We don't have to do anything for it. There is nothing that we ourselves can add to our salvation. Good works do not cut it. Our good works, with regard to our salvation, are worthless. We receive the forgiveness of sins and eternal life only because of God's grace, only because of his great love. That is the Reformed, that is the biblical position. Somehow, however, that does not satisfy us. We still feel guilty. We feel guilty all the time. We still feel that we are not doing enough in order to be in good standing with God. We don't pray often enough. We don't always trust in God in the way that we should. We fall short in so many ways. And so we may say that salvation is from God alone without any merit of our own, but is that really true? And often people tell me when they speak to me that they don't think that they are saved because they are such sinners. We know, for example, that we do not pay our regular contributions to the church in the way that we should, or that if we do not go to church on a regular basis, or if we do something else seriously wrong, that then we will receive a visit from the elders. And if we persist in these things, we will be excommunicated. We will be declared to have been cut off from God. 
And so the Lord God does require good works from us. Isn't that also what Paul said to the Philippians? He said in verse 12 that we must continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation. So he speaks here about works, about good works. We have to do good works, don't we? For he continues further and says, Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe. Paul says that we must shine like stars in the universe. How do you do that? By leading blameless and pure lives, Paul says. But what about God's grace then? Do we not live by grace alone? Indeed, Scripture also teaches that. And so we see that there is a tension between the two, between grace and good works. And it is for that reason that we have our doubts. We doubt about our own salvation. Somehow we always have the feeling that we haven't done enough for God. Our good works just don't measure up. God commands us to shine like stars in the universe, yet there is still so much darkness in us. That's what we will deal with this afternoon. The theme for this afternoon's service is shine like stars in the universe. And there are three ways in which we can do that. In the first place, through Christ. In the second place, through grace. And in the third place, through faith. I'll state that once again. Shine like stars in the universe. We can do that through Christ. And secondly, through grace. And finally, through faith. As I said, there is a tension between God's, between good works and our works. Between God's works and our works. That's also clear from what the Lord Jesus said about himself in John 9, verse 5. He said, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Yet in Matthew 5, he said to the people standing before him, you are the light of the world. How are we to understand this? How can he say that he is the light and at the same time that we are the light? In order to understand that, we have to go back to the beginning, to the time of creation. When God created man, he gave him a task here on earth. He made him a vice-regent under the great king, under God himself. Adam had to reflect God's will in everything he said and in everything he did. Man had to reflect God's glory here on earth. And brothers and sisters, this creation was magnificent. It was flawless. Everything worked together harmoniously. It was a sight to behold. And man was the crown of God's creation. However, when man sinned, he no longer reflected God's glory, God's wonderful light. He reflected the king of darkness, Satan. The only way that man could be restored to his former glory is by God himself. In that sense, you can compare the light of man 
to a rechargeable flashlight. All the components of a flashlight have to be in proper working order if it is going to work. If the light bulb bulb is burned out, it won't work. If the batteries are dead, it won't work either. And if the connections are corroded or the wires are not properly connected, then it won't make proper contact with the electricity, and then it won't work either, because you can't recharge the battery then. In verse 15 of Philippians 2, Paul speaks about a crooked and perverse generation. That alerts us to two problems. In the first place, to a wrong connection, and in the second place, to broken and corroded parts. That's what happened in paradise. When Adam and Eve sinned, they no longer connected with God. When God came to the Garden of Eden to seek them, they went into hiding. They were disconnected from God. The relationship was broken. And they also became broken people. They became subject to death and decay. The stench of death was around them. Something drastic had to be done in order to change the fate of man. You see, that's why we need the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only through him that you can go from death to life. And it is only through the Lord Jesus that you can once again be plugged in to God. He is the one who repairs the connections. And he is the one who reconnects the wires. And he is the one who sends us his Holy Spirit to renew us and to make us shiny new again and to give us life again. It's also what we read here in the Catechism. It says that we have been redeemed by Christ's blood and renewed by his Holy Spirit to be God's image. An image is a picture of the real thing. When you have an image of something, then you know what the real thing looks like. If you would have observed Adam and Eve in paradise, then you would have seen through them what God is like. They reflected his qualities. That's no longer the case. It's only through Christ and his Holy Spirit that God is able to give back some of his brilliant glory. Normally, when you have a defective flashlight, you discard it. You throw it out and you buy a new one. It's a wonderful thing that God didn't do that with us. He did not reject us. He did not throw us out. He did not raise up a new people, for he could have done that. He's all-powerful. He even said that he could raise up a people for himself out of the stones of the ground. But he didn't do that. He continued to regard us as his children. What he did do was to discard his own son. He rejected him so that we would not be rejected. And now we are not new lamps, but we are renewed lamps. And now we can shine again. Paul says that we must shine like stars in the universe. A star does not receive its light from itself. It can only reflect light. It reflects the light of the sun. The star has no brilliance of its own. It receives its brilliance from the sun. The same thing is true for us. 
we cannot be a light on our own. We can only reflect the light of Christ. It is for that reason only that Christ says that we are the light of the world. Only as long as we belong to him are we shining lights. What we have dealt with so far is easy enough to understand, isn't it? But now we come to the difficult part, to the second point. We come to grace. For here we are at the third part of the Heidelberg Catechism, dealing with our thankfulness. And we know what thankfulness is all about. We have to be thankful for our redemption, for what Christ has done. And yet the question is once again asked about good works and why we must do them. Isn't that a strange question? Why must we do good works? If God compels us to show our thanks to him in that way, then it is not truly thankfulness, is it? Forced thankfulness is not really thankfulness. It has to come from the heart. So what is going on here? Well, for that reason, the question is asked in the way that it is. The author of this question himself has a problem with this. He expresses his great delight, first of all, to have been delivered from his sin and misery by grace alone through Christ without any merit of his own. And yet now he discovers that the scriptures still require from him that he does something. And that's a mystery to the questioner. He is deathly afraid that now once again we have to add something to our salvation through the back door. He says, that can't be, can it? It's all grace, isn't it? The Lord Jesus Christ did not do a half work when he redeemed us from our sins, did he? And the Holy Spirit did not do a half work either when he renewed us, does he? It's all or nothing. It's all God's work or it is all man's work. And the latter is impossible. Man cannot add to his own salvation. To stay within the analogy of that battery and of that flashlight, if the rechargeable battery is in good working order and is plugged into the electrical outlet, then the flashlight works. Isn't that the way it is with man? If the Lord Jesus Christ repaired him, then he doesn't have to do something himself again, does he? All he has to do is to believe. And even that is a gift from God, so that as Paul says, no man can boast of his own good works. Now, brothers and sisters, good works have to do with the law. By keeping the law of God, you do good works. But the scriptures clearly teach us that we are incapable of keeping the law. Indeed, the law condemns us. And therefore, it is no wonder that we have our doubts, that we question our salvation. We know how far we fall short of what God requires from us, and we know that we never do enough. Even our best works are fraught with sin. We are not diligent enough in our worship. We are not reverent enough. We do not pray enough. We do not give as cheerfully as we should. We sin against our fellow human beings all the time. We 
fall short time and again. It's maddening. What then? And realize the solution. Well, listen to what the Holy Spirit tells us in Romans 6, verse 14. There you find the solution. It says there, For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Brothers and sisters, that does not mean that you can divorce the law from the grace, but the grace comes first. Just because you have been redeemed does not mean that now the law no longer functions, but it functions along with grace. For you must do the law. But now, listen carefully to the next sentence. We have to do good works, not in spite of the fact that we receive grace. No, we do good works because we have received Grace. You see, it's God's grace that drives us to do good works. It is through grace that you belong to Christ. If you are plugged into Christ, then you automatically bear fruit. A branch that is grafted into the tree cannot help but bear fruit. By your fruit, you know what kind of tree you belong to. If you're an apple, then you come from an apple tree. If you're a Christian... Then you come from Christ. If you're a Christian, then you also allow the qualities of Christ to be shown. And then you show that you are clearly connected to him, that you belong together. Think about how that is in our human relationships. Suppose you are falsely accused of a heinous crime and you are convicted. The penalty is that you relinquish all your property and that you pay a heavy fine and you also receive the death sentence. And now you go to jail to wait there on death row. But then some benefactor comes along who believes in you and who does everything in his power to convince the authorities that you have been wrongly convicted. He is so convinced of your innocence that he even pays your your penalty penalty, gives you back your property, and he pays for your defense and for a new trial. And you win the case. You're set free. There's no longer a death sentence hanging over your head. What kind of relationship do you think you're going to have with with your benefactor after this? After all this, are you then going to shun him? Are you going to ignore him, for example, when he invites you over to his place to celebrate together? Would you not also be willing to just about do anything in order to show your thankfulness to this person? Of course you would. And everyone would also expect that you would. Well, that's also the way it is with our relationship with God. And then much more so. For in our case, we are guilty. We owe God an enormous debt. It is a debt that we ourselves have incurred. Because of this, we deserve the death penalty. And yet, he set us free. He paid our debt. He rescues us from death. And now it is only natural that you will show your thankfulness to him. Especially if you realize from what you have been rescued. And then your thankfulness is expected 
stronger even. It is demanded from you. God has made the connection with you. But you must also want to be connected to him. And the only way that you can do that is through faith. That's our third point. Question 87 asks whether those can be saved who do not turn to God from their ungrateful and impenitent way of life. In the last two months in the morning services, we have been dealing with the book of James. And James makes abundantly clear that you cannot have faith without works. Those two must always go together. If there are no works, then there is no faith. As we saw a moment ago, if you belong to Christ, then you cannot help but do good works. That is why it says in answer 86 that we may be assured of our faith by its fruits. We also read together about that in Matthew 7. It says there that every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. The Lord Jesus says, therefore, that by their fruit you will recognize those who belong to God. To stay with the analogy of the light, because you give light, you know that you are plugged into the light. It is impossible for you to be a true light if you do not have the light of Christ. I'm sure it sometimes may seem that those who want nothing to do with God nevertheless can be bright lights. They do all kinds of good works. They're considerate and loving and generous and kind. But it's not the same. They derive their good works from a different source. And they do these good works for different reasons. They don't do good works because they want to glorify God through them. They don't do them because of the thankfulness that they have to God for delivering them from their sins. For even those who do good works, they're all sinful people. And they all need to be redeemed. In John 8 verse 12, the Lord Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You have to be a follower of Jesus. The Lord Jesus received glory from the Father through suffering and through sacrifice. That is also what a follower of Jesus does. As a priest of God, he offers himself as a living sacrifice to God. There are also those who claim to to be Christians and who claim to reflect his light, but who are sadly mistaken. In answer 86... It says that we must show ourselves thankful to God for his benefits. In the original Latin edition, it says that he must be thankful for all his benefits. Nominal Christians want Christ, but they don't want all of him. They don't want all of his benefits either. They're satisfied with half of Christ. Think about it. Many people want to accept the forgiveness of sins and accept eternal life, but they don't want to give credit to the Lord Jesus Christ for a new life. They do not want to do the good works that God requires. Oh, sure, they say that they do good works, that they do not lie or cheat or steal, and that they lead a good life, but they do not really want to worship God in the way that he has prescribed. They don't even want to try. They do not want to go regularly to church. They want to be cleansed by the blood of Christ, 
but they do not want to be sanctified by his Holy Spirit. And therefore, for these people, the Lord Jesus is not their deliverer. He is only half a savior. And half a savior is no savior. Either he saves you from all your sins or from none of them. And therefore, there's only one solution. They have to repent. We also call ourselves Christians. And the sad reality is that we ourselves are but poor reflectors of God's light. By falling, falling into, this, into sin time and again, we darken the light within us. But it is then that God saves you again and again through faith. You go to Christ to strengthen you in your faith, to cleanse you from your sins, and to sanctify you, that is, to make you a new creature. That is an ongoing process in your life. And therefore, you do not have to despair about your good works. You do not do your good works in order to earn your salvation. You would be lost if that were the case. It is with that frame of mind that we can go on in this third section of the Heidelberg Catechism that deals with our thankfulness, with the law, and with prayer. We can rest assured that the doing of God's law is only the proof that God is at work in us. That's also what Paul says in this famous passage in Philippians 2. After he tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, he says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. God is at work at you, brothers and sisters. He is at work at you right now. And therefore, you also have to let him do that work. That means that you also have to plug into him. And so you have to regularly listen to him when he speaks to you. He speaks to you through the preaching. He speaks to you through the pages of the Bible. And so come to church every opportunity you have and accept his invitation to his banquet feast. Read your Bibles. Go to the study societies. Do good to your fellow man. If you are doing those kinds of things, then you do not have to fear and to doubt. Then all is well between you and God. For then you show the fruit of your faith. And again, in the end, it's all God's doing. To him be the glory. Amen.